This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Mouse plague. They're chilling words. For parts of Australia, it's been a reality for thousands of people. They've been battling millions of mice in their homes, on their farms and in their towns. Everywhere they go, basically. In this shortcut, we'll get you acquainted with the house mouse, the scale of the current plague and just what can be done to stop it. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. If you live in the affected parts of Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, the ACT and New South Wales, Claire, you don't need us to tell you that we're in the middle of a mouse plague. (laughs) First things first, what critter are we dealing with? It's the house mouse. Australia has seven native rodents. They're mainly rats, but the rodent most Aussies would be familiar with is the one that's responsible for this plague and others in our history, and that's the house mouse. They were introduced to Australian shores when the first fleet arrived in 1788. The little stowaways went where humans went, and that's the general rule about mice. Yeah, mice need food and water, which is why mouse plagues occur mainly in the southern and eastern states of Australia and usually in grain-growing regions. Plagues have happened in the wheat belt of Western Australia too, but the worst ones have happened in the east. Claire, I'd call this a fun fact. Not a lot of fun for a lot of people, though. Australia and China are the two countries in the world where mouse plagues occur. Yeah, isn't that great? Aren't we very lucky for that? (laughs) And yeah, that's down to favourable climates, also food and shelter, which sustain high mouse populations all the time, but they really boom in the good seasons. Lucky us. The experts say about plagues, like we're saying now, is that they tend to follow a drought. Yeah, so in practice, that means that there's a plague every five years and a big one about every 10 to 15 years. And the thing is, the house mouse is able to live in Australia's harsh conditions and they can survive through those protracted dry periods. And then they really thrive when there's lots of food and moisture around. And when you say thrive, that's an understatement. Their breeding is formidable. Yeah, it sure is. Mice breed in the early spring and they usually finish breeding in autumn. So the cycle generally trails off during the winter. They start breeding at six weeks old and they give birth to a litter of six to ten pups every 19 to 21 days after that. After giving birth to one litter, females can immediately fall pregnant with the next one. So that means that there's no break in the cycle and in a good season when there's lots of food and water around their survival rate is high and the rate of the population increase is quite dramatic. When you say dramatic a single pair can produce 500 mice in a breeding season that's staggering you can see how their population gets to plague proportions. We don't need to tell those who have been through them before but they're nothing new these plagues. No they aren't the first plague thought to have happened in Australia was in Walgett in northern New South Wales that was in 1871 but it wasn't the worst. That title goes to Toowoomba and the Darling Downs region of Queensland in 1996. It caused an estimated $3 billion worth of damage to crops. And if that wasn't bad enough, there were reports of snake populations breeding up as they fed on the mice. Then that meant there was a deadly brown snake and a mouse plague in 
big proportions. What a disaster. Oh, my God. That just sends a shiver down my spine. Snakes are predators, though, which is say they eat the mice. So do they keep mice numbers in check? Yeah, they do. Along with um, birds of prey, lizards, native carnivores like quolls, uh, and also introduced species like feral cats and foxes. But, of course, farmers also use population control strategies like baiting to keep numbers down. That's something that's had a bit of attention of late. More on that soon. First of all, I'm curious, with all those mice around, do they bring disease? Look, you don't want them around because their urine and faeces pose hygiene and health problems. But of the diseases transmitted to humans by rodents, only a few are transmitted through the house mouse. Also, a thing to keep in mind, the fleas, which house mice normally carry, don't tend to bite humans. So when it comes to really bad things associated with rodents, like the spread of the bubonic plague, it's not a big risk with mice. Well, that's something, I guess. We don't need any more plagues or pandemics or anything like that on our hands at the moment. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about this current plague now. The current mouse plague, Claire, touches many parts of the country, as we said, but what's going on in New South Wales is considered to be the worst mouse plague the state has seen in decades. Yeah, since the end of 2020, mice have terrorised those communities across the grain belt of western New South Wales, and that includes Dubbo, Canamble, Warren, Ningan, Narrabri, so many other towns in between, and areas around there. People living in those towns and on properties in those areas say that they've found mice in their homes, in their ceilings, in paddocks and in their rubbish. They've overrun schools. They've interrupted NAPLAN exams. Uh, There's also been reports reports of mice getting into the stuffing of armchairs and even biting people in hospital beds. Yeah, we hate to make you squirm even more, but it's not just the live ones that are wreaking havoc. Dead and decomposing mice is also a significant problem. Yeah, so one of the problems is that mice can head inside to die when they've been baited. So shops and homes and other buildings, even the jail in Wellington, have reported problems of mice getting into their walls and ceilings and they die and then they stink up the place. You refer to that jail in Wellington because it's recently been completely evacuated because of this mouse plague. There's also damage like eaten out electrics, nibbled food and soiled furnishings. And a really big problem comes from the crop loss many farmers are experiencing. Yeah, so mice target a wide variety of crops. It's not just cereals like wheat. And reports during this plague say that they're also getting into canola, into lentils and other pulse crops. And what they do is they attack it at all stages of crop growth. So they're eating out freshly sown seed in the ground right up to climbing up developed plants to eat the head and there's nowhere in the crop cycle that the mice aren't getting at it. Yeah and you know they're not content there of course. There's also significant damage to grain and fodder storage. We've seen that on the news. Yeah so that means crops that have been harvested in the previous seasons are vulnerable to mice and we've seen those pictures of mice being poured out of silos as contaminated grain is emptied and those farmers then can't sell that grain because mouse feces is a problem as you can imagine. Uh, Also fodder like hay has been trashed and that's a really big problem for farmers for feeding their livestock during the summer seasons. It's a no-brainer that all of this adds up to a hefty financial blow for farmers and also the wider regional communities. Yeah and New South Wales farmers fear that the mouse plague has devastated regional communities that might wipe out one billion dollars off the value of winter crops 
crops. But that's just the start. That's just what they would have had in the ground now. There's a loss of what they would have had in storage, also damage to farm machinery as mice nibble out those electrics, as you said, also to homes and businesses. And of course, there's what they're spending on baits and mouse control. And then there's a significant mental health toll. Yeah, as you can imagine, the stress of the situation is a massive thing. Huge. There's worry about the financial issues, of course, but just at a really basic level, many say they're having problems sleeping and relaxing because the mice are always around. And, you know, if you think about it, first thing in the morning, you're emptying mouse traps, and last thing in the night, you're hearing them scurrying around. It would just be really stressful. I've read stories of mice in babies' cots, and honestly, that's enough to send anyone spare. Now, we're all feeling sufficiently sorry for those who live in affected regions, and I'm sure there's people listening. Tell us, is there a chance the plague could travel further afield like our cities? So mice only move 100 metres from their nest or burrow to forage, so they return at the end of the night as well. And I like the description of one expert who said mice only weigh about 13 grams and they've got very little legs, (laughs) so it's unlikely even if the plague goes past this winter. Oh, there's some good news, I guess. I like the very, very little legs thing. They can't go far. (laughs) I heard a big chunk of our listeners breathe a sigh of relief when you said all that. But for the rest and thousands of Aussies who are living through a plague right now, they just want it to end. On that note, let's look at what can be done to stop this plague. As we discussed earlier, mouse season is early spring through to autumn, with the breeding cycle slowing in winter typically. There's concerns, though, this plague could continue into a second year. That would be unusual, Claire, and devastating. And that's because this winter has been milder with lots of rain. There was a cold snap, you might remember, a few weeks ago, which was good news for those communities and farmers because it'll slow the breeding cycle. But they're hoping for more proper cold weather. And that's because it could put an end to it because of starvation or disease. Yeah, they don't like the cold, those mice. Farmers aren't just hoping. They're also using baits to bring mouse numbers down. That's expensive and a bit of a tricky exercise, really. Yeah, it is. The the main chemical that's being used at the moment is zinc phosphide. How it works is it turns wheat grain into poison and farmers scatter that around the paddocks and just a single grain is enough to kill an adult mouse. So at the moment, the Australian Pesticides and Veterinary Medicines Authority, which gives permission for these sorts of poisons to be used in a mouse plague, they've granted emergency permit applications to use that chemical. It has, Claire, but it's knocked back another one. Yeah, so the New South Wales government made an urgent application to that authority for that chemical to be registered for agricultural use. The New South Wales Agriculture Minister, Adam Marshall, described it as napalm for mice. That's a reference to a really harsh chemical that was used in the Vietnam War that absolutely devastated vegetation and communities. But last week it was knocked back on environmental grounds. The concern is for animals, particularly endangered and protected birds that eat eat mice and then get sick and die. Nothing is simple at all, is it, when it comes to a mouse plague? The process isn't over with the New South Wales government able to go back to the authority with more information, but it's a difficult one. And even farmers' organisations say they have issues with bromodilione. So in the meantime, the focus is on zinc 
phosphite. Yeah, and the New South Wales government has committed $100 million towards rebates for the purchase of the baits. There's a real push on now to get cracking to bring numbers down as much as possible before spring. Remember, that mouse breeding cycle will start all over again. Uh, Still, governments have been criticised for not acting more quickly to help farmers and regional communities before this crisis point. You would think in this day and age that praying for cold weather and relying on harsh chemicals are not the only options. Is there any other options? (laughs) Well, the CSIRO is active in the space, so that's a good thing and you'd expect them. But they say that there's a lot of work to be done to understand the drivers that end a mouse plague. Uh, One big bit of work that they're doing is looking at models to monitor populations to make predictions about future outbreaks. And they're also working on more effective baiting programs and procedures and also genetic control technologies, but those will be in the future. Yeah, for anyone who's young and listening, maybe this is a career path to choose. There seems to be a lot to uncover about how to manage these mouse plagues, and that's your shortcut to mouse plagues onto our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. One development that I found interesting, Claire, is the Mouse Alert app. It's tracking the plague and they ask people to log sightings so they can help alert authorities before it becomes a problem. Get onto it if you live in those regional areas. Yeah, that goes into that predictive work. Uh, Mine's the Twitter account of Lucy Thackray. She's an ABC journo. She describes herself as a reluctant rodent reporter. She's based in (laughs) Dubbo, so she's right in the thick of it. Yeah, plenty to look at on her Twitter account. In regards to all of this, that's for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. If you like our shortcuts, leave us a review on your podcast app and, of course, tell all your mates about it. That's super helpful as well. We'll be back next week. 